Well, hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Boy, it seems from news sources to comedians and friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think and live and make decisions. And when even the experts sound convincing, but they disagree, how do we cut through the noise? And how do we sift through all the information overload and choose what governs our lives? Our leadership here at Grace has been processing these things and praying for all of us, so we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Jeff? Yes. How you doing, buddy? Good. Excellent. You know what's one of my favorite things about this podcast? Tell me, Joe. Is everybody's definition of pressing questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I love it because sometimes you can tell the questions are just like, I'm legitimately interested in this. Sometimes it's like being pressed on us from culture. And sometimes it's my life is imploding and I don't know where else to turn. Yeah. That's, and so that's, it's so fun. And that's exactly why we started Mixed Messages was, uh, you know, you can't, you can't respond to everything from the pulpit. So I, I didn't want people to have to like wait for a sermon on that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So I love we love the feedback. Sometimes the feedback is as mixed as the messages are. <laughs> and <laughs> but but we're grateful for it. And I I like what you're saying. Like some of it's sometimes you guys uh you, you guys out there in listener land send in some tongue in cheek things and they're they're kind of fun. Yep. And then sometimes some real serious stuff. And then I like I think the stuff we're gonna talk about today yep. is like, hey, this is my life and this is really hard and uh can you can you help me think this through stuff? And it's important. So it's all lots of fun. Absolutely. You Absolutely. got you guys keep listening, we'll keep talking. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's the deal. And uh just because in the last week I've gotten a lot of uh kudos, I'm just gonna shout out to my F three group real quick because they keep telling me they're listening and I love that. So What's up, gentlemen? It's good to have you on here. I will also shout out to your F3 group. That's because you're not coming. <laughs> That's right. You, you are not going to get me to get up at 4.30 in the morning and work out. I don't care what nickname you give me. Oh, there, I can only imagine. Yeah, there's nothing. Remember, you're talking to the guy who owns the CrossFit gym that he doesn't use. So I, I have this in my own home with my wife just deeply disappointed with my physical activity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, we do have a a listener submitted question today, and uh, this is a serious one. This is a big deal. And so she says, uh, my dearest and longest friend is struggling with infertility. One of her friends recently told her that she couldn't be friends with her anymore because she's going through infertility treatments. And so the friend was insinuating that because of her Christian beliefs, she couldn't be friends with her anymore because of her choice to quote unquote play God. Could you please dissect going through infertility treatment and still being a Christian? And so got a couple things going on here, Jeff. One is... Um, does God have an opinion on infertility treatment in mm-hmm. particular? And what do we do with people who um, don't live, I guess, quote unquote, Christian enough for us? Like, how do we navigate that? So kind of two angles here, both very related. How, yeah. do, we, how do we work this stuff out? Well, it is a tough one. And, and the, the friend side of it, it, it's in some ways is probably in some ways as painful as the infertility side of it, that to have somebody look at you and uh, somebody that you would want or need to be a part of your, your deep pain and that you would hope for their support 
um, to look at you and say, I cannot be friends with you, right? I, I, it's even different if a friend looks and says, hey, I don't agree um, or I think we should pray about, but to look and say, I will not be friends with you is uh, tragic unto itself. So I, I would say, you know, first of all, I'm sorry that that happened. I do not think that that is a Christ-like attitude because I do not think what the the friend who's going through the infertility treatments is doing is sinful. And I would imagine that the friend who said, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore, that was kind of the premise of that. Sure. Like, you're in sin, you won't repent, I'm cutting you off kind of thing, which is... A, there's probably a whole other conversation about sure. how to to deal with that, and I think you know uh, months ago we did one on how to disagree with people, you mm-hmm. know, in a godly way. And there's probably another one of those that is uh, that we could have along the way, just on more of a personal level, how to do those things. So, so I'm sorry about that. So that's kind of the friend side of it. The infertility side of it is this. Um, I think when you look at infertility and you look at it in the scripture, the thing that comes through the scripture the most is the pain of it, Mm. right? So when you look at um, different stories in the scripture, I'm thinking of Sarah and Abraham, I'm thinking of Hannah and the New Testament, and these women were unable to have children. The, The grief that that caused in them and the pain that that caused in, in them, I think, is what jumps out to me. Now, both of those women had uh, miraculous pregnancies, right? And so that, that we kind of celebrate that. But before the Lord worked that way, it was painful. And then when I um, think about just being a pastor and being friends with lots and lots of people, um, when you are struggling with infertility, uh, when you struggle to get pregnant or, you know, when you get to a point that pregnancy is not going to happen, it's not a physical option for you anymore, I see that same pain and grief when the baby was desired. So I, I think if you, you know, there's other women who choose not to have children and and that's kind of up to them. But when you're trying that and you want that to happen, it, it's it's painful. When I look at that then, I look at it biblically, I I would look at infertility and medical intervention and infertility the way that I would look at medical intervention um, in most physical problems with the caveat of protecting life, Mm -hmm. right? So if you kind of segment this out a, a little bit and say, is it right or wrong to medically intervene in a physical problem? I think it's very clear that it's it's right, right? So if I had a cancer or if I have, you know, we all have medical issues. Yep. And man, if, if they can fix a medical issue, I, I've often said, uh, I'm really glad I wasn't born 100 years ago. You know, because for instance, I have a cataract on my eye. I will just go get that lasered off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, if you've ever had a kidney stone or any kind of medical thing, you're like, man, the idea that uh, medicine and doctors are available and they can intervene and they can uh, prolong life sometimes, but improve life a lot of times. And and especially if you've had something that is painful. Uh, I've had a medical condition. Uh, 
that is cared for now, but it was painful for months and months and months and months. And what that does to you emotionally and even physically is overwhelming. So I, I don't see any place in the scripture where you would refuse a blood transfusion, which there's some Christian sects that would believe that, where you would only pray, where there's some sects or cults that would believe that. Um, I can tell you, and I feel comfortable before the Lord if I'm sick or I have an illness or I need a surgery or someone in my family does, I'm I'm grateful that it's there and grateful that uh we have health insurance in our family that could help pay for that. So so the medical side of it, I look like that. I don't think infertility is a curse from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it is something that uh, God looks at a particular woman and says, you did something or you messed up or fouled up in some way, and so you are cursed with infertility. I don't think that at all. And if there's a if there's a medical intervention, then I would say go for it, right? Now, where infertility gets unique is what that medical intervention is. So obviously with something like getting pregnant, that's everything from uh, uh, hormones to embryos to surgeries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So uh, if you are married and you have a New Testament marriage between a a man and a woman, and the infertility is determined to be a physical issue on the woman's part, um, then you look and say, well, we're going to intervene on that. And I think... Uh, I think that's fine. I think when you get to things like we're going to take embryos and move them and freeze eggs and this and that, that's where you get into the moral question. Mm-hmm. And I think that moral question needs to be um, approached with a, a real gravity uh, of what you're going to do. If I have embryos that I've had removed from my body that are going to be put back into my body and then fertilized, um, you get into questions like uh, if I had 10 taken out and I have three put back in and all three of them take, what do I do with the other seven, right? And that's where you get into some very difficult decisions. And uh, the first piece of advice I would give to that is you need to make that decision in advance. Yes, and so you need to pray it through, come and talk to one of the pastors or one of the, the uh, female leaders here at the church, or even we can even network you to other women who have wrestled through these decisions. But seek counsel is what I'm trying to say and get into that because we would not believe, you know, we would believe that life begins at conception right. and be staunchly pro-life anti-abortion, anti-infanticide here at Grace Church. I believe that's very clear in the scripture. So you get into these moral gray areas. Is an embryo a life? Is a non-fertilized embryo a life? I mean, it's, oh, it's confusing. And I think you have to wrestle those things through, and I think you have to wrestle them through with wise counsel and good medical information. 
I think you have to come to a moral decision with your spouse before you start processes. And that moral decision is what it is, right? So I have an example of this, a a family that was a part of Grace for years. Um, She had, she struggled with infertility. It was determined the physical issue was on her side. Uh, Went down the the road of embryos. They had one child and then they had um, many years of many failed tries. Um, they had a certain amount of embryos left. She was getting old enough where she's like, um, we just need to go for this. So kind of in a, a last ditch, very, very low expectation, they implanted all of her embryos um, and then they fertilized uh, them. And I think at, in her late 30s, she had triplets. But they, they had made a predetermined moral decision that they were not going to destroy those embryos um, and they were going to try to bring life from them. And that was what they put into the Lord's hands. If you give us a baby, great. You gave us three, great. We're going to uproot life and figure stuff out and go from there. So it's that kind of stuff that I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's sinful. I think it has to be wrestled with. Mm-hmm. And and I because it's an issue of life, um I I think it uh you have to process it through. Now in in the medical world you put in five or seven embryos and fertilize them and you get four or five pregnancies, they, someone very well may encourage you to abort uh, three or four of those so you have twins or just a single child. And I would say boldly that is sinful. Yeah. That if, if you have life, if you have the quintuplets, that's what you have. Right, and, and, and that is God blessing and God answering. And I cannot even imagine, I have six children, but not at once. <laughs> you know, so I cannot even imagine how disruptive it is. But I can imagine a church family, your family, others rushing to your side and supporting you in this very unique situation. Absolutely. And once those children are born, I am beyond confident that there's not any of them that you would look at and say, well, I wish that one wasn't, right? Right. <laughs> you're you're going to love and engage those kids. So I just think you have to predetermine that stuff and you have to measure what you're doing as you intervene medically. Yeah, the thing that keeps coming to mind as you're talking that through is none of this surprises God. If you're walking through the hard path of infertility, he knows that, grieves with your pain alongside you, but then also knows how he wants to walk you through it. Right. And then on the other side of that, you mentioned the potential case of suddenly you have quintuplets. That also didn't surprise God. Yeah. He's not thinking, oh, I thought only two of these would take. You know, like right, he, right. he knows exactly who he's bringing to this planet for you to nurture and care for and parent. And uh, I think that that's a, a beautiful principle to realize. You're, we're not talking about the cosmic force out there that may or may not give us children. God is saying these people, I'm entrusting to your care. That's right. And you and you see, you know, you see the TV shows like I do when they when they have six, seven, eight kids, and I, and I respect those families that they wanted children, they went for it, and they were like, 
know this is what, I don't know that they're all Christ followers, but ultimately this is what was meant to be, and these are our children. And I guess we'll just go buy a church van, (laughs) you know, and and, and figure it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, um, as kind of a mini bonus topic here, um, I, I love that you said go into this with a predetermined decision. And I remember, Jeff, um, if we kind of go down, if that's one of your first parenting decisions, because that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about is bringing a child into the world. I remember one of the best pieces of advice I got before my daughter was born is think through X amount of things and make the decision before the child is born. Can you talk a little bit just about the importance of like thinking through how you want to live a life as a parent um, or thinking through even how you want to live the life as an adult, but like kind of predetermining some of these moral choices and decisions um, before you kind of walk into that battlefield, so to speak? Yeah, I, I just, I think when you're talking about, you know, kind of keeping this in the realm of family, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think when you're making decisions about family, there are ramifications to it. And those ramifications aren't good or bad or right or wrong, they just are, Sure. right? So I'll give you an example. Like when Heidi and I started having kids, Heidi worked full time and, uh, uh, she did that. We were married for a little over five, a little over five years before our first child was born, and she worked full time. Uh, and we made the decision that when the kids started coming, she would stay home from work for a season. Well, that was important because we had to adjust our lifestyle. We had to uh, it it limited what we did with like what house we bought, uh, whether we were going to get a. Um, uh, what kind of car we were going to get. Cause I tell you, daddy didn't get the new car for a long time. It was the upgraded minivan mm-hmm. that would, cause it's what you need. And you just made those decisions and we don't regret them. We don't, they weren't terrible. They weren't, um, constrictive. I didn't, we didn't feel trapped, but we were like, no, we want a family. We want a big family. That means this. Mm-hmm. And that we weren't, we never were scrambling then. We we're never like, oh, how are we going to make ends meet? Or, you know, the, oh, we overbought the house or whatever. Now, sometimes that meant that I had two jobs. Uh, for us, it meant we started businesses. So Heidi, Heidi runs our businesses. And, and uh, when the kids were little, ran them from the house. You know, we had to make ends meet. But we just made that decision ahead of time as opposed to being like shocked by it, yeah. you know? And, and and a lot of times in our in our modern medicine, our modern ability to have birth control and things like that, we can preload those things. Sure. And think them. Now you get surprised. I always get a little bit of a giggle at the forty-five-year-old guy whose forty-three-year-old wife finds out she's pregnant. You know, and and we're all like, we're gonna tease that guy, and then we're always like, and I'm glad it's not me. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> so like that's just. But I've never met a family like that where they're like, I resent my child. Right. They're always like, ah, he keeps us young or she does and, and it's fun and it's our best surprise. But they were a surprise. It's a funny story and you have to adjust. The, I, you know, We're going to have our first baby and we find out we're having twins. You're just going to have to adjust yep. kind of a thing. But, but you can think ahead with these things. And I think that's what I'm trying to say about infertility and and uh, fertilizing embryos and stuff like that. I'm like, you don't have to plan on eight kids, but you have to know like what 
your game you're playing. Yep. You know, and so like the plan is not to take their lives in in utero. The plan is we have babies. Ooh, I guess we're having a really big family. Yeah. You know, and, and kind of going from from there. So you you think ahead, you pray it ahead. I think you know with infertility, like I, I most couples who uh, struggle with infertility also think about adoption yep. a lot. And I'm like that that is like something else you should explore. And again, you can come talk to you know some of the pastors. We can put you in contacts with families. Some families have had unbelievably positive experiences with adoption. And some families have gone through a lot of pain mm-hmm. with adoption, and like you should know all that. Yeah, you know, when we think about because um, that that falls in line with you know the the religion that is pure and faultless, as James writes, is to care for orphans and for widows. Yeah. and so there are. Matter of fact, I was talking with um, Kent Boyd, uh, the director of Love Akron, good friends of good friend yeah, of ours, great friend, and um, he was talking just about the. <laughs> He used the word pandemic, the pandemic of kids in the foster system and in the system to be adopted and stuff. And they're orphans. They need cared for. And so it's this is not formulaic, but there's a chance that if you're struggling with having children, that God might be calling you to take yep. care of these orphans. And you should wrestle with all of that. Yep. And and I think where I'm I hurt for this friend who's whose friend was like, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. I'm like, that wrestling is personal between you and God. Um, Abortion is a sin. It's infanticide. Uh, Fertilization is not. So you need wisdom. You need support. You need conversation. You need contradictory views. Like weigh, weigh it out right so we should draw close to each other but this is one of these one of these situations where um uh i would look at you as a pastor and say this is what i think this is what the scripture is clear about and silent about and you're the one that's going to stand before god yep so if if you've really processed it, if you're really seeking the Lord, if you're all in on what God decides to do, I'm with you, you know. And you know, I I I uh when we started this, I said, you know, this is a husband and a wife and and I want to amend that a little bit. I have a dear friend, she's a single lady, mm-hmm. and she came to me and said uh um you know, I'm thinking about adopting. What do you think? And I gave her my real opinion, because mm-hmm. knowing her and friendship and all the rest, and and she she told me she goes, I went away mad at you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I could tell, <laughs> you know. But she's like, but she thanked me later, and she said, you really were honest with me and made me think. And I took a year, and I thanked, I, I prayed, and I thought, and I sought counsel, and then about a year later, she came back to me and she said. Uh, Jeff, I I did this. I prayed this way, and I feel like this is what God wants me to do. And I looked at her and I said, "I'm in." Heidi and I are in. Yeah. Right. I just you asked for counsel. I gave you some. Yep. And you, to her credit, she took it so so seriously. And I said, "We are 100 percent in." And we love her. We love her little daughter. She's a 
amazing little girl, and God has blessed the both of them. And she's a single mom, mm-hmm. but she but through adoption, she's a mom, and and uh, I'm proud of her for for everything. So that's what I'm saying. Like I, I think in these decisions, you let spiritual elders and and close friends speak in and then unlike this other friend that cut off i think elders and friends need to back take a step back and say okay that's what we have to offer these are your decisions mm-hmm. and when um if you decide to go for it and you have eight children i'm in on helping you with your kids yep, yep. right and uh, and if you decide, if I think something's wrong, but you think you're fine with it before the Lord and the scripture's silent, I trust your heart, I'm in on that, you know? So I think that's the way that I, I look at it. There, there are freedoms in scripture. I think this is one of them. When you create life, which I believe begins at the moment of conception, you, you have crossed a moral boundary, and then, uh, uh, those the, the moral answers are different or clearer maybe is is a way to say it on the yeah. other side of that. That's really, really good. Well, I want to, uh, Jeff, thanks for walking us through that. And I think for those that are listening that have um, had to walk through some version of this topic, our hearts go out to you. It is a painful process to, to navigate. And um, for some, there has been some joy of life uh, on the other side of that journey. If you have questions that you would like to submit, you can always do that at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. And we also always want to be available to help you take next steps in your journey. And so, like Jeff mentioned, if we can help get you connected with someone, help you get that counsel, network you with some people that have been there before, we would love to do that. So reach out, let us know. And of course, at any time, if you would subscribe, follow, rate, or review our podcast, that'd be great. We'd love for you to do that. If you're around on the weekend, feel free to join us on the weekends here if you're in the Akron area, or you can join us online if you're outside of that uh, natural geographic area. And we're just so glad that you would join in with us, and we're appreciative that you would uh, listen as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. Catch you next time.